Today we're going to be in the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 6. So the first part of the year, Pastor Andy did a message on right priorities, looked at the life of Jesus, how he grew in stature and the knowledge of God. And then we talked about small changes, habits that can lead to big results. All right, we did that one. Um, To me, that is a message going back and listening to if you missed it. Um, Then we've been looking at just some of the basics. Sometimes you just kind of need to go back to the basics. And I like to do that kind of every year because, you know, if you're on a basketball team, a football team, a baseball team, you're going to cover the basics every year, aren't you, right? Right? You, You just have to, you can never lose track of the basics. And so... Uh, we've talked about right faith, so that was a couple weeks ago. We talked, and the message was relax. Um, that when we have right faith in our lives, that we trust God, but we're not always there. We know that God is going to walk with us, but sometimes we don't feel it in our heart. Okay, right? So, right faith. Uh, in the last week, we talked about right prayers, that secret place, and kind of dovetailing with that is Jesus' teaching on giving. And so we're going to talk about right giving today. Um, I've entitled it The Anonymous Gift, and you'll, you'll figure out why I do that. So I want you to just to think about a couple questions here. First of all is, why do you give to God and to others? You don't have to say anything, but just think about it. Why do you give? Why do you give to God? Why do you give to other people? Okay. And then the next question is, what keeps you from giving more? Well, maybe the amount of money I have, Pastor. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there. What keeps you from giving more? I want you to think about some of those questions as we go into our passage today and um, and let Jesus speak to us, okay? All right? So just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it it, it speaks into us, Lord, and it is counter-cultural. In other words, it, it often goes against what our culture is teaching us, but it is truth. And that's what, uh, when you taught on earth, people were amazed at the authority in your teachings because it was different from what they were hearing from other sources. And God, your word still speaks to us today. It is the living word of God that speaks life into us. And so, Lord God, help us and open up our hearts to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6, 1 through four, so we're just going to hit the verses one through four part. All right, Matthew chapter six, verses one through four. All right, let's read that together. It says, "Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them." So Jesus will talk about this in the area of giving, but he also talk about this in the area of prayer. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, right? As the hypocrites do in the synagogues, on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let the left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Right? The older you get, though, the easier that is. 
All right, that just kind of came to me. All right. <laughs> Where did I just put those things? Yeah, so now I have, I have this AirPod now on my wallet, on my keys. I got them, so now I shouldn't lose them, right? All right. Don't let you, your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So that's an expression, right? So that your giving may be in secret. Okay, I talked about that in prayer too. Go into that secret place to pray. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All right, let's look at this. Giving in the temple uh, was a very common thing during Jesus' day, right? And probably more common in that day than it probably is in our day, that as people were out there um, and the, the needy maybe were begging there, if we want, can use that term, um, you'll see that if you're in Lincoln, right? Um, maybe in Omaha. Where we really noticed it was when my wife and I went to uh, Paris several years ago, and we were there, and boy, they have that, they have the begging thing down, okay? I mean, it's a profession for some of them, and some of them, I think, truly are needy, and then others, that's their, their way of doing it and stuff like that. It's, a, it's just a whole different culture that way. Um, but it was very common to, to give towards the poor back in Jesus' day. And I think we still practice that. It probably looks a little different. But what Jesus was taking note of is that these people were, some of the people, especially some of the people that wanted to seem righteous in front of others, would do it in such a way that it wasn't about meeting the need as much as it's saying, hey, look at me, I'm giving to the poor. I'm a pretty righteous, good person, right? And righteous means that I do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. But their righteousness was a self-righteousness because it wasn't looking good to God. It was looking good in their own eyes, right? And the people around them. And so Jesus wasn't discouraging people from giving to God or giving to the needy around them. Rather, he questions the motive as to why they were giving. Um, And so for them, for some of them, it was all about their own self-righteousness. So the the thing that we want to really look at is motive, is why are we giving, right? Why do I give? Why do I give a little? Why do I give a lot? Am I giving it to be seen? Am I giving it to be feel important? Am I giving it out obedience to God's word? Why am I giving, right? So are you giving to be noticed or are you giving out of obedience to the advancement of the kingdom of God? The first principle that I want to just highlight there is anonymous giving advances the kingdom of God. So when people were giving to the poor, it was fulfilling a need for them, right? Right? And that is one thing that we see throughout Scripture and even woven in through the Old Testament and the New Testament is the idea of is being generous to other people around us that come across a hard time. Um, by anonymous, I mean is that you are giving without letting your right hand know what the left hand's doing, all right? What I mean is to give in a way that is, um, it's not bringing attention towards you. Can we say it that way, right? Um, So we collect the offering and put it in an offering brag. It's anonymous to a large degree. But you're giving in a way that isn't bringing attention to yourself. The purpose of giving is not to advance our own self-image, but it is to advance his kingdom here on earth. So that can include giving to your local church. It can give, be giving to other Christian organizations and uh Chuck, you mentioned just one church that was had given 
towards missions. And I was just, I got that on my paper. I need to probably report that probably. I think it's right around seven to 10,000 that we gave to missions this past year. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. You know, and, and so it, it is about doing things here, but we're also doing things there, right? If you go to the missions board and see the countries in Africa and Europe in Central America, even in the United States, where we are making a difference. You know, and some people go to great lengths to remain anonymous. So I, I've, I've ran across all this. Sometimes we've received um, in the mail. You get an envelope, no name on it. It just comes in the mail. So I get, get an idea. You know, it's probably, everything's stamped in Omaha now, so it's really anonymous, all right? So I get it sometimes that way. Sometimes um, it comes through other things, or sometimes the people give it to me and say, hey, I just want this to be anonymous. I don't want anybody to know. And so how secret, this is a point I want us to catch, though, how secret you keep your giving is up to you, but give in a such a way that you protect your heart from pride and conceit. Okay? How secret you make your giving is up to you, but give in such a way that you protect your heart from your own pride and conceit. Are you following me? For some, for some people, that could really be a temptation. And that doesn't mean you're any less, you're just probably human, all right? It just means that you're probably human, but give in such a way that you protect your pride, yourself from pride and conceit. There's a great example of this in, in the book of Acts. I want you just to keep your finger there in, in Matthew and go to Acts chapter 4. It's kind of an ominous story just because of what happens. But the church is growing. Great things are happening in the church. Pentecost is happen, happening. Thousands are coming to know Christ, 3,000 on the first day. And they're, but they're being persecuted too, right? And there's a lot of needs. There's a lot of needs within the community and within the body of Christ. And so you have somebody like a Barnabas who would become more of a key leader in the ministry of Paul. But Barnabas goes out and he sells a field. So let's read this. Uh, chapter 4, 32 through 37, then we're going to go into chapter 5. It says, All the believers were in one heart and one mind. Nobody claimed any of their possessions as their own. They shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. So as there was a need amongst the body of Christ, boom, somebody says, oh, yeah, I can do that. And so they would help them out. And then from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought them the money to, from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had a need. Isn't that pretty cool? To me, that's a true revival. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned, brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas sells a field, takes money, puts it at the apostles' feet. Now, it's not truly anonymous because we are, we're reading about it, right? But it doesn't seem Barnabas just sees a need. He's going to fulfill that need, right? Well, other people thought, hey, that's kind of cool. Barnabas is getting a lot of attention, right? Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. So say they sold it for 100000 they said, oh, we're just going to hold back 50000 for ourselves and we'll give 50000 
but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter asked Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't it your money? Is that your disposal, whatever you want to do with it? What made you think of doing such a thing? Why have you lied just to the human beings, but also to God? When Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. Man. Then some of you people came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and burned him. About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? She said, yes, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they'll carry you out as well. She dies too. And it says the fear of the Lord came upon the church, right? So the issue wasn't... Ananias and Sapphira were being generous, right? They sold the field and they gave some of the money to the church. The issue was is that they gave the impression that they were giving all of the money that they had gotten from the piece of property. Why would they keep, why would they keep back that information that they were only given a portion of it? It's because they wanted to be noticed, right? And they, there's that idea of, hey, Barnabas was honored. We want to be honored too. And so they lied about it. They could have kept back, they could have given 10% to God and kept the other part to themselves and just said, hey, yeah, we're giving, we're tithing off of it, right? But instead they gave the impression because of that, God was dishonored. And uh, it's kind of like the fear of the Lord really came upon them. You have to protect your heart. So give it an anonymous way, whatever that means to you, but give it a way that you protect your own heart, that you're giving because it's what God has called you to do, and you want to be a channel that He can flow through. Amen? All right. So don't go home and try to think, man, how can I give without my right hand and my left hand knowing what they're doing? Okay. Don't let that mess with you. All right. Okay. All right. Let's jump to verse 19 and 20 of the same chapter. He talks about prayer and fasting. So we touched upon some of that. So verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on heaven where moths and vermin, rats, mice, those things, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. The second section here, so he's talking about giving, but he's also even talking more about materialism. So when we talk about materialism, um, and even gets down to the end, you can't love both God and money. That's in verse 24, okay? And it really means you can't love God and mammon or materialism, material things. You can only serve one or the other. So the second section really focuses on materialism and the benefits of giving. About everything we buy with money has a shelf life, doesn't it? Some things longer than others. If it's the milk in your fridge, it has a shorter shelf life, right? Now, there's other things that we buy and we have them for years, right? Some of you, we need to go into your home and get rid of some of those things that you've had there for a long time, right? Do a little decluttering, right? But material things have a shelf life. They deteriorate, you know, things, they get dusty or they just break down with time or 
You know, it even talks about it can be broken in and, and taken from you, right? That happens. That happens. We just had one of our uh, people in our church, a newer vehicle they got, and it was taken from them. Wow. And pray that that all works out. So the things of this world, they cannot have our heart. That's what he's saying. We can invest in a lot of things in this world, but they'll be taken from us or they, they'll destroy it. It's just part of this world. In the past two weeks, some of the wealthiest people in our world, so like Elon Musk and some of them, they lost billions. Why? They lost billions on paper because of the stock market devaluation. They lost a lot. So if you lost a little bit this week, you know, they lost billions. That's a lot of money. Now, they're still going to probably do okay, right? But when we give in advance to advance God's kingdom, we're investing in eternity. It's an investment that you will never lose in the stock market or a bad turn of events. You're investing in eternity. Amen? The second principle is anonymous giving invests in eternity. You know, when you're in your 20s, it's hard to start saving for retirement. Okay? People tell you to do it, and it's kind of like, yeah, but now we're having kids, so we need to put diapers. I, w- I looked at diapers this week, just this kind of, because I remember that was a big part of our budget when we were, had them in the diaper stage, and we had a party when we didn't have to get diapers anymore. I mean, it was kind of like, we can write that off the budget. They're out of the onesies, right? Not the onesies. What do you call those? Pull-ups. There you go. Yeah, they graduated from the pull-ups, and we didn't have to worry about diapers anymore. It's kind of like, now we can go out for a date or something, you know, right? But when you're in those younger years, it's hard to give and invest towards retirement. But if you do, you get into your 50s and 60s, and all of a sudden those, that money that you invested builds interest, right? And it's kind of like, when you get to that place, you're glad you have it, right? The same thing is with eternity. When you give to God, I don't know how, I know he has a good investment plan, folks. That's all I know. And when you get to get that other side, this life is just for a moment, folks. But heaven's for eternity. And the reward, he says, I'm going to reward you. And when God says he's going to reward you, he's your father in heaven. He's going to watch over you. And if God says he's going to reward you, I believe him. This is what Paul has to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 11. Remember this, he says. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Kind of a, an agricultural metaphor. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your own heart to give. I like that part. Okay, there's been times where I've felt the pressure to give. Okay, I'll challenge you to give, but I never want anybody to feel under compulsion to give, as it says. Why? Because God loves a, a cheerful giver. Now, there's times that I've given because I, I believe in tithing, and I've, I've wrote that check, and sometimes it always hasn't been cheerfully. Okay, can I confess? Sometimes it is. But God honors a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So the Corinthians have given Paul a gift that is to, I believe, the church in Jerusalem to help out with the needs, okay? They've taken up this nice gift. 
And so Paul is assuring them that as they've given God generously, God is going to bless them generously. Um, Verse 10, for he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you will be able to be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will be resulting in thanksgiving to God. Um, God's word. If I am generous, it's going to come back on me in some way, shape, or form. Amen? Amen? I, and so I don't share this, you know, as a pastor, I have to check my motives. I don't share this so just so that the church does well and other things like that. I share that so that you do well. Because that is God's word. If, you, if I, I say, well, I'm not going to tell them to give because then God's going to bless them, right? I want people to enjoy God's Even the Dave Ramsey thing, I think so many times we, we, don't, we can't give because we're in so much debt and we're living beyond our means, Okay? And he, he's pretty hard on that. He's brutal on that, okay? He's brutal on debt and things. But it keeps us from many times ge- doing the things that maybe God wants us to do or, or even just planning for our future, that we want to do things we can't because we haven't saved. We've lived beyond our needs, needs and we're strapped. And so I, I really believe in some of the stuff that is there because it can set you free to be generous and to, to do some of the things that you want to do as a family, as a couple, and things like that. Amen? Let's go to the last part. Did I give you the point there? The point is anonymous giving invests in eternity. I don't think you're ever going to be disappointed that you gave towards the kingdom of God. You can't take it with you. You just can't. Um, And I've known people that have been saved up a lot and all of a sudden, they're gone. They're gone. They didn't even get to spend their retirement gone. But then if you don't plan, you can be lived to be 90 or 100, right? And you have, to have, you have to plan for it. So I'm not saying don't plan for retirement. You have to. You have to take care of the ones that you love. You have to do those things. But you also want to keep your eyes on eternity because one day you're going to stand before Him and um, you're going to want the mansion on the hilltop, not the shack. Okay? All right. We get to heaven, we're going to be walking by, and it's kind of like, oh, they didn't send much ahead. I don't know. I don't know. We're probably going to have bigger things to think about, right? Let's go on to number three. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, and just a note of that, we, we get caught up in the numbers, But the person that gave the most, that Jesus referred to in Scripture, gave how much? How much? She gave it all. She gave two pennies. Jesus says she's given more than anybody else. Okay? Just just remember that. It's not all about what we see on the ledger. God has a different measuring system. To that widow, he goes, she's the one that gave the most here today. And she only gave two pennies because she gave what she had. All right? Okay, 21. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So this is where giving is a benefit to us. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. I think this is a direct reference to cataracts. All right. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So it talks about in Scripture, right? When people got old, their eyes grew dark, right? That's what happens when you get cataracts. And so I'm only in my 50s, but I noticed the difference, all right? No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or the real good translation is ma'am and material things. You can't serve them both, all right? Giving is, is one of the primary ways to set our free, ourselves free from the temptation of materialism. Because if I keep it all to me and I spend everything on me and I just keep it towards me, 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 it holds me, right? We're the Scrooge, right? And nobody wants to be around a Scrooge. And so giving is one way that we free ourselves from the temptation that material things can have upon us. Materialism is a, um, sometimes we need things to feel important or feel fulfilled, right? I need the clothes. I need the house. I need the vehicle to feel important. God is not calling you to poverty, but rather he's calling you to a life of generosity and to have, hold those things loosely. So number three is anonymous giving fosters spiritual health and freedom. It fosters spiritual health and freedom. Um, If we hoard our money or if we don't give and spend it all on ourselves, we distort our vision, okay? Kind of like those cataracts, all right? You know, so my my dad had cataract surgery a while back because, you know, it was affecting his vision, so he had to have cataract surgery comes from being exposed to the sun and all that, not wearing your sunglasses. But you have to take, uh, take care of that. If you don't, then you, you lose your vision, right? It distorts it. And money, if we don't give, it's going to distort how we look at life. If we can be generous and we can give, it's going to keep our vision of how we see the world. It's going to keep it healthy. And so God's cure for spiritual cataracts is giving. It's going to allow us to be healthy, it's going to allow us to keep Christ as the treasure of our life and not the things of this world. It doesn't mean that we can't have nice things, a house, car, clothes, but we have to hold them loosely and know that He is my treasure. And that, that's the hard thing, folks. I don't, you can have a lot of money, you can have little money. And sometimes we think, well, I just have a little money and so therefore I could never be have issues with greed or hoarding or not giving. Wrong. Wrong. We have to hold those things loosely because the things of this world cannot be our treasure. He has to be. He has to be. And I believe that the main reason, one of the main reasons that God calls us to give is because He doesn't want the things of this world to become our treasure, our focus, And so giving is one way we release ourselves to do that. Charles Wesley, one of the great revivalists and preachers, he founded the Methodist movement. But he determined what he needed to live on in his own life. And so as the money came in, 
he knew what he needed to live on. The rest he gave away. Pretty cool. Why? Because he didn't want to be that to be a temptation in his own life and a stumbling block. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 through 9. I think this is a say, sayings of Arger. All right, it's not Solomon. But he says, two things I ask of you, Lord, and do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me and give, neither, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me only my daily bread. So we talked about that last week in the Lord's Prayer, right? Give me the bread from, for today that never runs out. Give me my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you. See, the worst thing that some of, for some of you, if you won the lottery, it'd be the worst thing. Why? Because it could cost you your relationship with God. You wouldn't need Him. Kind of like, well, yeah, it'd be kind of nice to have. <laughs> I could do a lot of good with it. Yeah, you probably could. I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Today with inflation soaring and things tightening up, I thought this was an appropriate message because it could be tempting for some of us to maybe give less. Instead, I maybe challenge you to give more. Maybe some of you have gave in the past or maybe you've backed off from your giving. Maybe you need to give more. I don't know. God looks at your heart. It's, not be, it's between you and Him, not between, okay? It's you and Him, okay? And I have that same relationship with Him. I have to give in accordance to Him, all right? Why would I challenge you to be faithful in your giving? Because in this difficult time, I, you know, if we're going through difficult times, I want to know that I'm honoring God, Okay, and if if the, I can't meet the bills or I got things that can't be paid, at least I know I'm in favor with Him. And I say, God, now it's I've done what You've called me to do. Now, God, You're going to have to provide. Amen. If I'm not doing my part and I'm not honoring Him through my giving, I won't, then it's kind of like I'm asking God to bless me, but I haven't been generous with what I've been doing. Does that make sense? I want to be generous the best I can. And there's been times it's been easier to give and times it's been tougher to do. Pastors get asked to give a lot. Okay? We go to conferences. We go to this retreat or whatever. And so we're asked to give there, here, all that. And there's times, man, it's kind of like I, I didn't really, you know, it gets tough. What I, what I started doing is usually carrying at least some cash with me so that even I could put something in the offering. It might only be two mites, two pennies. No, I, it's usually more than that. It's maybe, maybe a buck or two, ten. But I gave something. And I think sometimes we say, hey, I, I can't give as much as this person or whatever, and so I don't give anything. I think what God is asking us is, Give in proportion to the way he's blessed us and give back to him. Then he knows that you are a channel that he can flow through to be a blessing to the world. Because God says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Lead, love, and connect people to life-changing relationship with Christ. He wants to flow through people that he knows that are going to be responsive to him to fulfill his mission. Amen? I'm going to have the musicians come. You know, when 
God our Father, it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave. What did He give us? His one and only Son. His one and only Son. Did that cost Him a little bit? Did it cost Him? Yeah, a lot. It cost Him a lot. God is a generous God, and I believe He wants that same DNA in His people. We're to be reflective of Him. He wants us to be a generous people with our time, our talent, our treasure. And money, wealth, material things can be a, can be a temptation. But to keep us balanced and spiritually healthy, He calls us to give in an anonymous way. In other words, not bringing attention to ourselves the gift that advances His kingdom for His glory. Keeps us centered. He instructs us to tithe to our place of worship, I believe. To give, that's where we're being fed. He calls us to give to the needs of others. And we don't have to get the credit. We can just go be a blessing to somebody. and Nobody even has to know about it, Right? He calls us to give to advance His kingdom in other ways. You know, J.C. Penney, I've shared this a few times probably over the years. We've probably shopped in his store. They're not as successful as they used to be, and I believe he's long gone. But he was a believer, and he tithed off of what he got, 10%. He said, you know what? God's blessed me with this. I'm going to give God 20%, and I'll live off of 80%. God blessed him. He goes, man, I'm going to give God 30% and I'll live off of 70. Uh, According to reports, by the end of his life, he gave 90% of his income and he lived off of 10%. Now, he probably still did okay for himself. But he said, you know what? God keeps blessing me, so I'm going to keep giving and honoring God. Now, most of us have probably never experienced that in our life. But probably most of us have never given 90% and lived off of 10. He didn't start at 90%. He started at 10%. Giving is between you and God. Amen? But I do know that if it, it releases us to flow with God and to do what He's called us to do, and if the things of this world have a hold on me and I, I cringe at the opportunity to give, then that means that maybe the things of this world, I'm too concerned about them. They have too big of a hold in my life. And so God's antidote for greed, for hoarding, for materialism is to give. It sets us free. And it furthers His kingdom. Amen? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to give. And in our country, in our nation, we're, we're probably the wealthiest among most nations, Lord. But with great, great blessing also comes great responsibility, Lord. And God, I, each of us has to wrestle that out with you, Lord God. 
My prayer is that each person here can know your blessing and your, uh, just your favor, Lord God. And, and so, Lord God, I pray that as they wrestle through that with you, Lord God, that uh, above all, that they can have a heart that you are the center, that the things of this world would never cost us our relationship with you, Lord God, that we would fall in love with the things of this world to the extent that it would cost our relationship with you and our love for you. But it's a very real temptation, Lord. And so, Lord God, help us to live a life that is free, that is uh, giving towards the lives of others and investing in your kingdom. This life is just for a moment and and for a season. Eternity is going to be forever with you. Help us to keep our eyes on that. Lord, we give you the thanks this day, and we ask it in your precious and your wonderful name. Is he your living hope this morning? If he isn't your first love, that treasure this morning, pray that prayer and just say, God, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. And and maybe the things of this world have a hold on our heart. It just means you're human. But God can set us free to be that first love in our life. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. Father, go with your people today. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for your word, Lord God. Go before us. Let us be a blessing to the world around us, not only by our words, through our generosity, through our very lives, we pray. We give you the thanks and the praise. We ask in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Hey, God bless you this morning. Be the church this week. Sign up for the small groups. Get your book. Hopefully starting this week. God bless you this morning.